Should I, I, should I do like, a, yeah. an intro just straight in? Why not? Yeah, let's do it. You ready? Is, yeah, the, the fade up. I'm, I'm all in it. I'm in it to win it. I've got my, my leg rolled up because <laughs> I've got this cream on my on my on my leg. So so that that's some background for you. Saving yes. your legs for this pod is totally appropriate, Sheppy. Totally appropriate. It's actually getting far yeah. too into character. <laughs> I knew a man with one shaved leg called Sheppy. <laughs> um, well, on that note, on that bombshell, uh, welcome to Shoulders of Giants. I'm Jim. Hello, other boys. I'm Sheppy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do I, the I should for say there. for the listeners at home that there will be a little bit of overlap here and there because we've tried to rectify it, but technical issues. There is a slight delay between me and Jimbo. So there will be possibly the occasional moment of overlap, but that's okay. That makes it more exciting. <laughs> we'll live on the edge sets today. Yes. So uh, quick intro for those that are new to the pod. We're a celebration of uh, movies, TV, and bits and bobs, uh, reimaginings, new uh, versions of things. It's been a couple of weeks since we've done this, so I'm going even more mealy mouth than you. It's optimistic, Jimbo. Well, <laughs> what's the name of this podcast? I hear this these listener uh, asking. <laughs> I think I've done it already. But shoulders of giants. We're on the shoulders of giants. Yes, it's. It's a celebration of, of film and what ifs and possible sequels and sequels that never were but never were thought of and were thought of now and were shared. It's a beautiful experience, this podcast, Jimbo, and I'm loving it. Now, before we kick off proper, I have to say something that I discovered about you very recently. You and I, it has been established, Jimbo, have known each other for a while, and yet I did not know until just a few days ago something, I mean, new information came to light about mild-mannered Jimmy that did shake me to my very core, Jimbo, and that is you have never seen Death Becomes Her, and I'm reeling, Jimbo, I am reeling from this, on top of the fact that recently I discovered, and again, this is not a shaming uh, at all, but uh, it just it came as a surprise, also uh, Ed Wood, was was a 90s uh, which was had not been observed by the Jimbo and I believe only you which is a weird choice the Robert Downey Jr Marissa Tomei uh, film and yet that leads me to my cousin Vinny which is a, a nice Marissa Tomei thing I'm not saying all four of these films need to be watched in fact only You is only funny, really, because it's Tony Stark and Aunt May getting together years earlier, but they both give exactly the same performance, so it's worth it for that. But no, no, really, um, it's, it, I, I, I'm, I'm very shocked. My Cousin Vinny is not a five-star film, but it's a gold standard three-star, which by definition probably makes it a four-star. Uh, Ed Wood, I think is probably Tim Burton's best film. And I say this as someone who saw Edward a few weeks ago for the first time in over 20 years. So I'm, I don't want to paint myself in anything other than hypocritical shades, but it's worth a look. But it was really Death Becomes Her, which I've just taken for granted since 1990, I'm saying 91, 92. But I've been taking that film for granted in that I just assumed if we didn't see it together back in the day, then I just assumed you had seen it. And again, it's it's 
it's possibly a two star or it's possibly a four star. It's one of those, but it's 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 not a three. And for me, it's a four having watched it recently. So what I'm really getting at, what gives Jimbo? How have you survived <laughs> this long without watching the gold standard, which is Death Becomes Her? I think I don't know really how to say this, Sheppy, because it's not on the scale of go back in time and tell the young Jimmy there's a Die Hard 4 you'll never bother to watch or whatever. <laughs> Actually, Die Hard 5, you know. Uh, yeah, but well, that's because, the one you know, to avoid. Yeah, because we've got like, you know, this is Zemeckis. This is Goldie Horn when I was like totally in love with her. And, you know, yeah, right. like, Bird on a ridiculous. Wire I'm pretty sure we even got the poster from the video shop and I might have had the poster on my mm -hmm. wall. It's that level of ridiculous. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but so it is a bit inexplicable I think it's one of those ones I missed and then I saw enough to say this is too broad even for me like you know I, 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 <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm talking like you know that, that I think doesn't one of the doesn't maybe maybe Goldie Horde breaks her neck or something when she falls down the stairs and then gets back up again or something and I'm like okay alright and Bruce doesn't, seems a bit miscast and all that it's, sort of thing for me and like, it's you know, over it's just, the top yes Yes, it is officially over the top. Meryl breaks her neck and Goldie has a hole in her stomach. And it's early oh, 90s true. Zemeckis being very high, high end technology special effects. Very good stuff. Um, it is broad. They are all playing it to a pantomime level. But, you know, it's Meryl Streep playing it to a pantomime level. So it's, you know, it's all deliberate. Um, Willis ups his game because he's in, you know, good company and when he's in good company Willis usually ups his game and he does play against type but I but he's not miscast I would say it's okay. it's a dark film and it's and it's got a good sharp like sense of nasty humor and dialogue specifically all the way through so it's a two or a four and really yeah, I'm curious as to what you would make out of it. Um, having seen it, for, again, for me, the first time I can only assume this century. So maybe I saw it at some point, like 10 years ago or something. But yeah, it's, it's good. So what I'm thinking is after my massive success with The Last Action Hero 2, I'm thinking I'm going to say Death Becomes Her 2 coming soon. I'm saying uh, Ed Wood, 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 question mark. Uh, I'm, I'm saying it all. I'm saying only, only us. us. Dot, dot, yeah. dot, yes. There you go. Yes, yes, that, that's good stuff. Um, yeah, and, and I don't know, my nephew, Vinny, all of this is coming soon. A second cousin, Come on. A second cousin, no, Once removed. That's the <laughs> yeah. sequel no one talks about. Yeah, nice. So there you go. Anyway, that's something I've just, yeah, I was, I was curious because in my mind, I was A, surprised that we hadn't seen it together at the cinema, but secondly, that you'd been, you know, this time from a film that is not a classic, but is interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting well, like, common era. I keep doing this to you. I keep doing this to you. And I want, I, I'm trying to think of one that you could do to me, which would just make me, you know, spit take. But I couldn't believe that you've uh, not seen it sort of thing. We'll have to find that because, uh, yeah. Yes. Because um, again, it's not that any of these films, I mean, Ed Wood is actually gold, but um, it, and it's not my favorite Tim Burton, by the way, but it's, I think it's probably his best, you know? Um, it's it's really solid, but the other two especially, or the other three, but really my cousin Vinny and Death Becomes Her, yeah, then they're, they're they're sort of they're 
good enough. They're good. They're really good, but they're not gold, gold, five star. <laughs> oh my God. Like, you know, I only saw Dr. Zhivago for the first time about five years ago, if that helps. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that, that's, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, there are, there are, there are gaping holes in, of course, I've never once would ever want to say, oh, I've seen everything, but what a horrible life that would be. Um, until recently, I hadn't even seen Junior. So think on that. Well, <laughs> talking story. of uh, talking of slightly rubbish uh, 90s comedies, but also could be gold 90s comedies, Sheffy. <laughs> oh, I like where this is going, Jimbo. I like it a lot. That was smooth. I'm all for it. Um, yes. Today we're going to be covering Mrs. Doubtfire as challenged by me. Now, week. Jimbo. Yes. Okay, Mrs. Doubtfire. Now, I, there's one thing I didn't mention last week is when when you dropped this bombshell on me, and I don't mean Williams, but I'll say this: um, if there wasn't a delay, that might have been a spit take. But um, I will say this: okay, you and I, we saw Mrs. Doubtfire together in the cinema. Early '94 is when it was released in England. I discovered, um, right. and I believe we saw it in Brighton for a bit of extra, you know, background there. Um, and, and I, and you and I were in a hostel in Amsterdam once, and it was playing on the TV. And we had a second little bite of the apple of the Mrs. Doubtfire, where we watched it for about. Well, it seems like about 17 hours, but we watched some of that film and that was an adventure. We can talk about that more if you like, but since I put you on the spot, that's fine. But what I will say is this. Okay, we saw it at the cinema and we saw it years and years later for like 20 minutes. But those are, that's our, and I, I'm sure I've seen it once since, you know, other than those times. I'm sure, I, I know I have, um, but I think that's it. So I've seen it twice properly. Um, why did you choose this? I'm curious, because it's such a random choice, which in your own words, doesn't lend itself to a sequel. So I'm very curious. And by the way, I'm really glad you chose it because I'm, I had a nice time writing it. I, uh, but about nice. what, why, where on earth did this come from, Jimbo? <laughs> <laughs> well, two things. One, I think the, um, Let's just talk commercials. That's where we go first in our with our producer hats on, um, Sheppy. You know the um, nice. This movie. Well, it's interesting you say around the '94 release as well, because um, I understand it was like it's just a monster hit, like across '93, '94. Because I did it in America '93, and I think it, in America mm. it was second only to Jurassic that year. So wow. Jurassic Park was number and '93 was a big year. For films, yeah. I mean, there were lots of big films that year, not Last Action Hero, as it turns out. But yeah, In the Line of Fire, Groundhog Day, I know those were both successes. Drackers, of course, being the yeah. biggie. Um, Cliffhanger, hang on, and all of that. Um, but Mrs. Doubtfire, fair play. And this is in the day, of course, when there was often like four or five or six months, if not more, gap between films like coming out in America and in England. And yes, it was early 94 for sure in England and yeah maybe even six months maybe it was like late summer or something like yeah. that in America and it was like 25 mil budget 400 plus mil overall worldwide wow. growth so it's like one of those where you think holy moly why didn't they got they've got a property here you know like I mean that is a character mm. that could could go I mean they 
they got themselves into a cul-de-sac at the end, which I've written out of, which we'll come to in a nice. moment. But um, but I think the um, yeah, it just it just strikes me as like it should have been sequeled. And then after I bashed out mine last night, I just had a quick look my plot and summary. <laughs> I, you know, I'm so proud of myself. I didn't even smirk. <laughs> I smirked on the inside. <laughs> I uh, I looked up on uh, on old Wikipoos and um and yeah and it said there was there was plans for Mrs Doubtfire too but they wow. couldn't get the script together and funnily enough they went down a very similar road to the one that I've gone down oh um, but Williams is never happy with it so that's one reason and then the second reason Sheppy which you've alluded to and I will only just pull a little thread on it I mean read into what you will the fact that we watched it for seventeen hours in Amsterdam. <laughs> But my vivid memory of that was we popped back to the hostel and uh, it was just meant to be a quick pop back. And I and we, we had a bunk bed. I remember that vividly. And you were top bunk and I went for a pee of and uh, came out of the bunk. <laughs> and you were on the top bunk watching Mrs. Doubtfire. And I'm not going to say you yes. were weeping, but you were weeping inside. It was connecting with you, man. Let me say this. I don't know if it was only a wee you were doing, because in my mind, in my memory and, and so forth, you were in that bathroom, like Roger Moore at the end of Live and Let Die, when she's like, come along, darling, it's like, just a moment, and he's in there for ages. You know, he's doing his nails, he's got TCP. He's in there for like an hour. So I'm saying you were in there for a little while, and Maybe. I was eager to go. <laughs> we were, we, well, I don't know, I don't know. But what I will say is I was sitting on the bunk bed, and it was a little TV and it was playing. Mrs. Doubtfire was playing on the, on the TV and I started watching it and I was like, Jesus Christ, Jimmy, hurry up because we've got to get out of here because I hate Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm all against it. Uh, this film is insulting me. It's winding me up. I've got to get out. So hurry up. We've got to go because this is going to ruin my life. And maybe you were two minutes. It wasn't that long. I'm going to say three minutes. Yeah, came out. You're like, I'm sorry, Sheppy, let's go. And I was in it. I was never more connected to a film. I was not necessarily weeping, but I was a puddle. Uh, I was um, I was invested more deeply than I've been in real relationships that I've had with real people. Uh, I was I was there. So yes, yes. Uh, but that this was shortly before I also ate the most delicious peach I'd ever eaten. And I don't know, maybe it was the most delicious peach, but just like Mrs. Doubtfire was the best film I'd ever seen, or maybe there was an external influence. All I know is I've never looked back uh, until you dropped this uh, on me. And I will also say, I, I, it crossed my mind, uh, maybe I should rewatch it because I had forced Last Action Hero on you, and I didn't force Batman Forever and Batman and Robin on you, but Jesus, you took it to the hilt, and I respect that. But I, 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 I thought about it, and I'm like, well, the film, okay, first of all, what I know of Mrs. Doubtfire, it was based on a book called Madame Doubtfire. I think it's Madame Doubtfire, but they couldn't call that in America, because no one would know what Madame meant. So... So I don't know if there's a series of books that the writers could dip into for future yeah, plot lines or so forth. Um, I, yeah, exactly right. I don't know. And that's good. That's fine. But I thought, OK, the, the central premise is shot, um, you know, because spoilers, he's discovered. Um, so it is curious as to what 
they could potentially do next since you know but I, I in the end I did remember the ending of the film I remembered where they were left and so I figured well that's probably enough so I so I didn't re-watch it because I will just say from my memory he's found out but he he gets a job on tv and as Mrs Doubtfire and he's divorced but he's come to terms with it and the kids are cool and that's basically the end am I forgetting anything no I don't think so Sheppy yeah I think interestingly I think they went around the back of the custody order or something like you know he's not allowed to see them and then Sally Field has a change of heart you know and lets him right. pop around and that so um, nice yeah but the but real yeah. thing is, yeah, the cat is out of the bag at the end of that film, and the cat being his secret identity is the, the, the crux of the film. So where does a sequel go? Well, Jimbo, it was your suggestion, so I guess you can go first. Shall we find out what happens in Mrs. Doubtfire 2? Uh, I'm very, very enthusiastic and very curious <laughs> about this one. All right, let's see, Shappy. So I'm just opening up my Word document here. Excuse me. Now, is it Mrs. Doubtfire T-O-O or T-W-O? <laughs> or is it Mrs. Doubtfire colon Rise of the Machines? What, <laughs> what angle did you go with? I was going to go Returns, but I think I, I went to. I went to because I think um, actually Returns would be more appropriate the more I think about it for the plot I've gone for. It is a Returns because... Nice. Exactly what you've said. The um, you know they've, they've written themselves into a cold set there. The, 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 I've, I've had to go down a secret identity type plot again, and there's a way I've done that, which is a bit twisted. Uh, but we'll see. It's got some silliness to it. Well, yeah. Again, say, there's nothing wrong with that. But I will quickly say, sorry, but yeah, ham fisted. That's okay because that means it is a true sequel. It's like <laughs> Last Action Hero Two being a bit shit because that's true to type. That's fine. That's in reality. People won't blink. So it, that's I'm loving the hand fistedness. Bring it on. We're going back with it's Chris Columbus, isn't it? Directed it. If I misremembered yes. that, I didn't even research that to be fair. But um, so but I'm going for ninety nine release oh, oh, and um, okay. so keeping it in the 90s it's a bit later nice. though but 99 and that enables us to get the full cast back by full cast obviously robin williams back as uh what's his name again i've got it written here somewhere daniel. but um daniel thanks chef and uh and, and mrs d obs and then sally field uh as miranda stew got our pierce back Piff has to be yeah. back in the sequel for me. And then the kids are all played by the same people. And I like that. I want some consistency here. We're not going down the European vacation. Route. No, nice. You're doing the lethal weapon route and everyone yeah. comes back for every film. Yeah, yeah. And even though it's a bit embarrassing that the careers never really took off you know, for Tracy Wolf. But yes, yes, good stuff. Everyone's back. The gang is all here. So we have that we start with a bit of an opening montage, um, Sheppy, where we've got the children's show, um, which is Euphigenia, that's her name, isn't it? It's House, that's the name of that TV show at the end. Um, and it's, it's gone from nationwide hit to cancellation, and we see that happen. So we need basically for the, it, it to really, it had a little moment in the sun, but it's been very quickly forgotten and was burnt nice. out, you know, and, um, and it goes from nationwide hit to cancellation. We might have a little funny scene in there with 
I can't remember the name of the puppet, but isn't he talking to her? Isn't she talking to a puppet? I don't the remember the puppet, but if there's a puppet, <laughs> and even if there isn't a puppet, there can be. We only saw this TV show for a second or so at the end of that film. So by all means, there can easily be a puppet either way. Um, but, but essentially, you know, something like with the, with the puppet having a whiskey, you know, and just lamenting the cancellation of the show. Time passes, the kids grow in a bit of a montage where we might have to have so a different actor is this, playing so that. Is the beginning of the film like what the scene where they get cancelled, or we've just found out that they've been cancelled and he's drinking? We start with, with I, that's a good question. I haven't really sort of thought about the specific opening shot, but why don't we go straight? I, overall, I'm going with a, a slow burn towards the return of Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, it, you know, it's not Batman in the, I was going to say it's not Batman in the first scene sort of thing, but. That being said, your question has made me think, let's go straight in. We're going full Mrs. Doubtfire. It's an episode of Eugenia's house. And it's a nice one. And she's being wonderful, she's being lovely. And then, you know, clothes scene or whatever. And then Robin Williams breaks character. And it's like, how many people do you think saw that one? It's like maybe, you know, one or whatever. You know, the cameraman nice. has the banter. And then you have like, you know, the, the exec comes in and cancels the show and it's all really dark. <laughs> I love it. And, um, That's good stuff. And then we go into sort of a, uh, you know, some kind of credits thing. And it's just a little montage over the credits. Time's passing. Kids are going to grow a little bit over that period. Pierce and Sally, Stu and, uh, and Miranda are going to get hitched in that montage as well. Robin's at the wedding, you know, still a bit orcs, but um, he's there. <laughs> um, and um, the, the custody's all been sorted and every, everything's, you know, it, the bubble is there. The bubble is there. It's whatever it is, you know. And um, he's a good dad. There's still a little bit of tensions with Stu and, like, you know, simmering a little, you know. But then at the end of the credits, and we've had our director by Chris Columbus, we go five years later. And then um, we um, we have Daniel is now back to being a struggling actor. He's living with Uncle Frank again, who's the, nice. the big camp uncle. <laughs> If I remembered right, that Uncle Frank is a special effects guy. Like, is that yes. how he had all the makeup? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. He's like a makeup artist. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And yes. Um, I've got one. I mean, this is the one thing I wanted to say is like, it's a very tricky thing to try and think of funny scenarios here. You're talking about an absolute certified genius in Robin Williams. So you can't really try and second guess what he's going to do and how he's going to engage with the world too much here. But you can give him some scenarios. So, you know, one thing here is... And also, you know, by the way, Robin Williams didn't like it when a director or a script was just like, oh, well, the script isn't quite finished, but you're Robin Williams. He always wanted the script to be 110% and do the script as written and then just play around and see what happened. But he always wanted the script done and he always hated it when a director was like, ah, we'll just improvise, it'll be funny. Uh, so, so you know, be on your toes there, Jimbo, because you no. don't want Williams on your case. <laughs> but that's very good tactics from Williams, isn't it? And you look at some of the undisciplined Judd Apatow stuff and yeah. you're like, yeah, take, take, a, take a note. You know, there's some brilliant Judd Apatow stuff, but yes. it is undisciplined. They are, they're all loose. Let's say. And they're not yes. as funny, critically, right? So anyway, but um, the, so anyway, like a moment where he's going to take a shower and there's like a Predator-style alien in the shower or something crazy, like from a movie set, you know. And he's oh, like, brilliant. come on, Uncle, 
and I've got here like you know a little come on Uncle Frank I got the kids coming around today can you please just clean up the place a little bit you know and then uh, and then something like a sort of a sharing a shower with that thing I never held my soap so tight sort of silliness you know and I've got that as <laughs> yes. the one and only homophobic gag in, in, this, okay. uh, yes. in this film yes good and, stuff um, <laughs> if you can remind me about that at the end just remind me uncle frank if i forget to say it because i had an idea okay. just before we got on the zoom call um anyway look kids come around for dinner all played by some people have said um in the dinner it, it it's revealed in the um dinner two critical things happen here lydia has been given an interview the oldest daughter for princeton and um and also like there's there's family pictures around the place but it's still family pictures of you know the full unit if you like so the kids are all like dad we wish you'd move on a bit you know what i mean and all this sort of thing and um and anyway you know williams is pure look the fees will be a lot but we'll make it happen don't feel pressure about that you know things are looking up for me at the moment i got an audition he's got an audition now this might have been done before sheppy but it's just an idea that came to me so um you know daniel has got it all on this one audition that his agent's got for him for a pilot called gavel's gavel which is going to be an uber cheesy judge show where the judge is also called gavel <laughs> now that might have been done before that's but, amazing um, i don't know i don't know I, I i've seen a lot of weird stuff including judge reinhold as judge reinhold but i haven't <laughs> seen gavel 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 um, so that's that that sounds like gold to me well he gets really excited about this is that he, I think he might even buy a robe sort of thing, you know, if he's got the part on and everything. And um, and uh, and then basically he gets so excited that, uh, and he, sorry, he turns up for the audition. It turns out it's just a sound effects audition. And they're looking for people to bang a gavel in a unique way. And what he's got to do is like bang, or bang, bang, like, you know what I mean? And that's the audition. Can you make it a bit more emotional, this one? <laughs> Yeah, this one you've 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 you're 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 on the verge of tears, but you're holding it together. <laughs> That's great. So, um, That's and amazing. Then, That's a great scene. And what I can really visualize there, Sheppy, is like Williams is pure look. Come on, I can give you some Jura. I can give you some Jura stuff if you want as well in the background. Like you know, and he kind of does some riffs and like maybe a little you know an OJ thing or something. You know, because it'd be a bit topical. Like you know, just get him to scooch the fingers into the glove or something. Like do you know what I mean? That's what he's keeping anyway. Um, so obviously that audition doesn't go well. And um, he goes to a bar, he's having a beer. He actually meets in the bar a really lovely bookish sort of lady. I'm going to play by Andy McDowell here because like she gets all the 90s roles. If you've got a better idea, I'm really happy. Maybe a shoe or someone, I don't know. But I, but I, I feel like she'd be if a nice fits. foil in this. Yeah. And um, mm. they have a nice time. He manages to get her number at the bar. So he's got he's pure on form, you know, he's, sort of, he, he's making her laugh and stuff. And um, despite his circumstance, anyway, next next sort of bit, Lydia's interview in Princeton. Um, you know, uh, outside there's a little argument with um, Stu and Daniel, where you know Pierce is pure. Look, I can cover the feed, Daniel. Let's just not worry about this, you know. And he's very proud and wants to hold his end up. So there's a little simmering tension as they go in. And um, they've got the interview. It's Sally Field, Pierce Brosnan, and Robin Williams with Lydia's kid. And um, now I went on a full gamut here of who's going to play the Dean Sheppy. I was everything from <laughs> Anthony Hopkins at one point. I thought it would be quite fun. 
Then I thought Sean Connery would be hilarious. I was thinking, who would be Uber to bring in as the deal? And then, like, have Pierce and Connery, like, two bonds. Oh, nice. Yes. And by this point, of course, he was, of course, pure bond. I've got to say a real quick aside whilst I'm thinking about this, because this is huge. When we came out of the cinema in January 1994 in Brighton, you turned to me and said, Sheppy, I'm going to say it. Pierce Brosnan should be the next James Bond and I may have scoffed out of reflex but you know a year later there it was so that's just something I have to throw out there thanks for that James I love the credit because I uh yeah I I mean you'd have been you wouldn't have been able to see past Dalton in those days still you you know even with the news I I was I was letting Dalton go by 91 I knew if it wasn't property of Lady by 91 then that was that that ship had sold sailed so that's all right yeah yeah good stuff <laughs> now, up until this morning uh, yeah. i had i had liam neeson as the as the uh, nice. dean but then actually i've changed so sorry to tease you with a bit of liam um, i'm actually having no, with dustin hoffman i want the nod to tootsie oh. here i want the nod to tootsie here so dustin and and dustin would be the appropriate height or, you know, the, the, the one of the plots to happen in a moment. So, um, oh, of okay. course. And I better say, <laughs> and a bit of a hook reunion, of course. Of course, yeah. I didn't even consider that. That's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Um, I love it. So, anyway, we're, the goes is going okay. But then, of course, it's uh, it's important Lydia has a, had a stable upbringing and all that sort of thing. And then there's a little bit of, you know, ridiculous bickering between Williams and Brazo, and they may well have actually just totally snafooed the whole interview. And um, so they're out in the car park. And then, you know, Sally Field has a little, Sally Field, uh, you know, meltdown with the two men just saying, you've got to stop, you know, and you don't think you're out of it. And she's slapping their arms and stuff, you know, just having a bit of a, <laughs> we've got to give Sally a couple of moments in this movie. And um, so William sort of begrudgingly, because he sort of is taking more of the can, goes back into the office to go and sort of apologise for, for what's just happened. He's waiting in the office. The assistant to the dean is there. And um, I think I'm going to go for Whoopi Goldberg here. Like this, this movie made $400 million, right? Everyone wants yeah. in on this. The checkbook's so, out for the sequel. Yeah. yeah. And so she's and she's playing serious, Whoopi, you know, and um, and we need some diversity here. It's a bit of a whitewash right now. So let's just, just go for it. And then she's awesome. So I think um, I go for Whoopi and she, he's like, you know, sitting there on the chair, feels like being in the principal's office again and all that sort of stuff. And then um, some junior pokes his head around the corner and says to Whoopi, did you get the admissions assistant email? And uh, and she's like, yeah, 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 I'll deal with it in a minute, whatever. And, um, and of course, then Williams is sitting there and he starts clocking a few things, you know. I don't know what they are really yet. And it doesn't necessarily suit Whoopi's character, but little details, like Whoopi's drinking a certain brand of tea or like, you know, and she's going to play bridge or something like that. I don't know, something stupid, but, you know, Whoopi's playing a little bit older probably than she is anyway. But um, the, um, she leaves the room for a moment Williams walks around, looks at her computer, sees all these application emails for um, the admissions assistant, just select all in a moment of like, you know, just does a 90s style delete. All the emails are obviously purged forever. There's no way of getting them back. But it's yes. 90s. No one <laughs> understands what emails are. Mother. And, um, and then um, and then she she comes back in and he's not there anymore, you know, whoopee. And she's like, oh, that's weird. Back to the black. 
Q Williams at home, tapping away, sending a 90s email, you know, banging away. <laughs> the Scott Robinson. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then, of course, boom, flash forwards. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire, dear, and putting the resume down and, of course, you know, applying the one application for their admin assistant role. And um, and those all the things to say to click with uh, Whoopi and uh, all of the rest. Nice. And so... I then I'm going to just go off on a few tangents. Shepard is telling you some of the stuff that then happens over the rest of the movie. But um, so I guess like the, I think one arc is that um, Whoopi and Mrs. Doubtfire become best buds. They become really good buddies, and they like you know they're lunching together and stuff like that. You know, and and will obviously ultimately feel the betrayal at the end. You know, um, and, and, yes. I, and I guess the key thing is I should say at the top that it's probably implied. Five years later, no one bloody remembers Mrs. Delphi, yes. if you know what I mean. Yes. And yes. Um, well, almost no one. And um, and then um, so the and then of course I'm going with the full Blackadder uh, goes forth here as well with George and General Melchett and essentially the Dean Dustin Hoffman falls in love with Mrs. Delphi, you know, ah. can't, can't help himself. <laughs> right, <laughs> and, uh, my sweet Georgina, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got Dustin Hoffman fawning over Mrs. Doubtfire and um, and and essentially then and one scene then we'll have, and this is all obviously it's cut little scenes, silly stuff going on in the office. Um, at one point, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire is walking to her desk and there's a there's um, you know, class a uh, hall of students just rioting because you know no one's in there uh, yet covering the lesson. And um and he goes in there. And just totally quiets them, sorts them all out. You know, maybe with a, I put here, maybe with a clever piece of the, uh, of, of gavel gavelness. Maybe we've seen <laughs> the one scene it's been gaveling, you know, with an order, order. There's a clever way that gavel orders the court, you know, and he uses nice. that in that moment and then has some banter and some, you know, a Williams scene where he's like, you know, mocking the students in a funny way as is about by. And then, and then the lecturer comes in flustered and late and the lecturer is Andy McDowell. Wow. And, um, and she's like, oh, my God, you're like, you're Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, and she remembers him from telly. And uh, but she she watched the show and loved the show and all this sort of stuff with her kid or whatever, you know. And uh, and and so they get a little connection going. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess we're going to replicate the Tootsie arc here where, of course, you know, he'll be influencing her as Mrs. Doubtfire to go on a second date with Daniel and all that sort of stuff. That's One genius. About you have to get Hoffman in that case. It has to be Hoffman. That way, no one can do like it's like uh, De Niro being in Joker. No one can say, "Oh, you're just ripping off King of Comedy." He's like, "Yeah, no, we've got we got De Niro in the Jerry Lewis role. It's fine." <laughs> yes. So yeah, by all means, pay the money. Fuck Connery. Get Hoffman. Yes. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> and then a couple of other bits and bobs. We've got a moment where. Um, Pierce comes to pick the kids up and catches, I don't know, Williams with the boobs on or something, you know, so he's aware that the Doubtfire is back and he's being inappropriate again. And he's like, and Williams is, of course, of the don't tell, you know, Sally, because there's still two kids who we might not be able to get custody, you know, be able to see. And, um, and the Dean, of course, super in love, has invited him to the party. And um, so he's in pretty deep here, uh, Williams from all angles. And, uh, but Uncle Frank is aware that Pierce is really equally culpable for the shenanigans that went down in the dean's office, mm. and um, so he's sort of, you know, we're we're gonna we'll, we'll sort this out. Don't worry. Anyway, <laughs> I think this is all building to two key scenes at the end. 
one where there's kind of this big ball that the Dean has invited Mrs. Doubtfire to. So he's kind of there as Mrs. Doubtfire's date, but she's tried to hold him off as best she can the whole time. And then just at a critical moment um, of, uh, of their possible courtship, um, Pierce enters with a pipe and grey hair and everything with it. And Eugenie, what is all of this here? And we've got Mr. Doubtfire. Oh, amazing. <laughs> and, uh, he's there to save the day and um, spare everybody's blushes. And uh, that's nice. And there's some bickering and fun banter there. And that's then, great. Um, and then the final bit, would totally go in for this, especially during his Bond run. But you know, Brosnan would be well up for this. Yeah, that, this God, is the Mamma Mia, Sheppy. <laughs> <laughs> or before, in this case. Yeah. Um, and then final bit is then basically that, you know, Williamson has this ethical kind of quandary around actually, should he leverage this position he's managed to get as Mrs. B to. Um, you know, get uh, Lydia in, if you know what I mean, and make yeah, sure her admission is top of the pile sort of thing. And, and I think there's a moment where Whoopi tweets exactly what's going on. And there's a race to the Dean's computer, you know, to, to kind of do something with the file, you know, through the halls yes. of the university. And there's yeah. a little, but they're two old ladies here with Whoopi, if you know what I mean? And so it's kind of, <laughs> they approach the door and they're like, very passive aggressive after you dear after you dear and they both go for it and they start tangling and fighting wigs are up and everything and like you know and then um, and then i think that is the pin is put in that moment with lydia basically in the uni to visit for some reason you know and she's like dad come on like that and she never wanted to go to princeton anyway she's only doing it for them and all the rest of it and you know it's that kind of thing she actually wants to chase her own path and all that kind of stuff and um, always wanted to be an actor like my dad or something you know and maybe we have to do something i don't know what yet with andy mcdowell and sort of you know the reveal that she's been slightly betrayed yeah. but you don't want that to just weigh the whole thing down too much. No, maybe. I'm sure in this world, in this universe, and, you know, Doubtfire will do something, you know, and Daniel will do something very heroic, ultimately good towards the kids, towards the college or whatever, so that McDowell, you know, I think, yeah, to introduce some sort of romantic interest for Daniel is a good idea, um, so he can move on and so forth. And so I think, yeah, to get together if it has to be McDowell, by the way, which it does, in my mind, it's perfect casting. And I don't like McDowell, and maybe that's unfair, but I've, I really don't. But by all means, um, yes, it, bring her in, do it. And yeah, she forgives him. They have a moment and it looks like it's going to be like, you know, I trusted you and you betrayed me. But then they get together at the end and it's it's nice and it gives them a future. And it's a, it's a sequel that doesn't need a third, definitely, then. Like, do you know I mean? You've kind of rounded out the Williams character. Well, you now you've done it. Third <laughs> one coming 2002, obviously. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was great, Jimmy. Uh, honestly, I could see this film the scenes and everything and all the all the specifics that you described i can see it play out so clearly in my mind which has got to be a good thing and you know from from my end if my mrs doubtfire 2 is a one star 
then I'm happy with that because that, you know, in, in terms of like, if we watched Mrs. Doubtfire 2 and it was, you know, it's like the last action hero 2, for example, it's like, it doesn't matter. Not, it doesn't have to be good. In fact, if it's so good, it ruins it. Your film is almost too good, Jimmy. Uh, it's, it's, it's solid stuff and I like it a lot. And, it, and it also the, the sort of the cringy moments are so perfect and, and uh, Brosnan coming in uh, and the Mr. Doubtfire thing, that's, genius oh, uh, so I'm, I'm i'm loving it so yes yes please and, and you're saying that was like 99 um, yeah with 99 yeah all right i love it um okay well yeah um i think that's great i'm going to jump into mine um and again i wasn't sure where to go but it's, it's so fascinating i love it it's like the ferris bueller like the, just the differences, but the, also the tiny similarities, the little things, um, it, it's very nice for me. So I like it. So this sequel, um, I got down as 96 slash 97, because in my mind, Doubtfire is 94, even though, as we discussed, I know it's 93. So I'm saying 96 slash 93, it's three or four years anyway, later, I'm saying. Um, Directed by Chris Columbus, bring him back. I mean, what else is he up to? Bicentennial man. So that's all right. Um, this I've actually called um, The Family Doubtfire is the title to this film. Um, and it stars Robin Williams. Now I'm, I'm giving it like um, the credits here. So it's Robin Williams, Mara Wilson as the youngest daughter, um, Harvey Feierstein, who is Uncle Frank. This is yeah. obviously IMDb speaking. Uh, Robert Prosky as the owner of the television company, who was also in Last Action Hero and Last Action Hero 2. He oh, was won. the guy with the ticket. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and in Good Last stuff. Action Hero 2. <laughs> yes, of course. At least one of the Last Action Hero 2s. So that's exciting. And, and he's worked with Chris Columbus before as well, because I'm pretty sure he was in the remake of Miracle on 34th Street as well. In fact, I'm, I'm sure he was. So that's nice. With Sally Field, Pierce Brosnan, and Kelsey Grammer. Uh, random, okay. but I went with Kelsey as my wild card new ingredient. Um, now, I will say that the Sally Field, in my version in this, uh, Field and Brosnan are in it, but they're not main parts. It's with Sally Field, Piers Bosman, and Kelsey Grammer. They're at the beginning, they're at the end, they're definitely at the end and they're part somehow of the climax and they're supportive is the key. They're married, um, Stu and Miranda are married and that's fine and that's done and they're, they're happy. Who knows? I don't know how old Field is or if it's too disgusting, but maybe she's pregnant. Maybe they have a baby, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, but that's it. Now the kids are in it, but like I say, uh, the youngest is the focal point here. Um, and, you know, she had been in Matilda at this point and Miracle on 34th Street, so she was doing okay. Uh, and the other two kids are in it, but much, much smaller, like cameos, like uh, Tim and What's-Her-Face from Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World, when they just turn up at the beginning. Um, yeah. So anyway, so that's the, that's that's what I've got going on so far. Okay, this is my blurb. Daniel Hillard is Mrs. Doubtfire on the hit TV show coming out of San Francisco. So like you, 
we went on with the TV show, but unlike you, it's big. Now, <laughs> it's coming out of San Francisco. Um, so I'm saying it's big, um, it's become very big in like California. It's like, it's, it's growing and growing and growing. It hasn't made it in, you know, to the nationals yet, but it's, it's very, very good. It's doing very well in California. Um, it's three or four years since the last time we saw him, her, and the show has proved a rating smash in California with Doubtfire fast becoming the new Mr. Rogers for families everywhere. She has inspired, comforted, and counseled millions of viewers and her popularity has only grown stronger. Her message is love, tolerance, and peace. Now, the TV station that airs Doubtfire run by Mr. Lundy, who is Robert Plosky, is in financial trouble as despite the success, the revenue is going directly to the large conglomerate parent company who owns the station, of course. Uh, for some reason, I don't know where this came from, the parent company is called Life O Smiles. Uh, I don't know why, but it's Life O Smiles. It's the name of this company that owns lots of things. Uh, the execs, um, the executives to this company um, who, are who are led by Connor Baynard, uh, played by Kelsey Grammer. They are keen, and this is you know, obviously mid-90s Kelsey Grammer, so he's at the peak of his Frasier success. Um, but of course here he's a villain, but he's proper grammar. Um, the execs and led by him are keen on pushing Doubtfire's popularity with crass advertising and nasty gimmicks, which go against, of course, the, the, the heart of, of the whole thing. Uh, Williams, I've got a quote from Williams, uh, as is Daniel, saying, uh, if I knew you'd want to kill the golden goose, I told you to duck off a long time ago. See, it's not funny, <laughs> but no, it's, it's good. I like it so I make no apology. And just imagine Williams saying it as, you know, as Williams, and, you know, not as Mrs. Doubtfire, but as Daniel. Um, yeah, and, you know, he does a Donald Duck, like, you're just, you know, he, he does like, you know, you're quackers, or something. He is, you know, whatever, improv, Williams, whatever. So anyway, uh, that's nice. So to save the Mrs. Doubtfire brand and the message, as well as the TV station program and the program itself, and of course, all the jobs and so forth, Daniel and Doubtfire take it on the road for a national roadshow from Frisco to New York, stopping at small TV networks and public access TV stations across the nation, west to east, Dust Bowls, Bible Belt, one horse towns and communities that could use a little bit of doubtfire magic in their lives, all play a part in spreading this message of love and raising awareness for hope. This, uh, various things happen along the way, and it culminates, in, uh, oh, and I should say, the three people who take part in this cross-country adventure is obviously Williams, as Daniel Dash and, and Doubtfire, his brother Frank, of course, so he can do all the makeup as they go along, and he's there, and the daughter, the youngest daughter, and I'll get to that more in a mo. But it all culminates in a massive TV broadcast charity event going out live from Carnegie Hall, uh, or somewhere big in New York, featuring all the stars of TV, and Mrs. Doubtfire has an invite. Uh, this is her chance to shine nationally, perhaps internationally, and inspire millions upon millions more, and of course, save everything. Money is low, 
So Daniel must drive himself, his brother Frank, the makeup man, and his youngest daughter, Natalie, who I figure is now 12, who, as hundreds of thousands of little boys and girls have come to love Doubtfire, his own daughter has emotionally drifted away. So it's, he needs to reconnect with his youngest. He's our goddamn kids too. So with the support of his ex-wife, Miranda, her husband, Stu, and his other two children, the oldest, I, I don't know how old the oldest would be. Maybe she's, she's gone to college is the right idea. I've got her as perhaps even she's a PA in Life as Smiles, but maybe she's too young, or maybe she's you know, like really young, but, she, yeah, but she's, it's not a big role. But she's there, the middle is in high school. Uh, Daniel and Natalie must put on a show in the many small TV stations they visit as they travel across the country. And of course they bond along the way. They meet a lot of weirdos along the way and Doubtfire has to interact and so forth. Um, some of these states, that they drive through are less liberal than San Francisco. Some of these TV stations are downright backward. So lots of humor and little bits of hopeful satire there. Also Baynard, whose grammar, uh, the exec at Life of Smiles wants the show to fail because maybe he wants to liquidate the TV station and get the cash now, now, now. He is also intolerant of any man who wants to wear the dress. Uh, he's a, you know, he can be a bigot, he can be a sexist and racist and homophobe and lots of nasty stuff as well, of course. Uh, he uncovers the show's best kept secret that Doubtfire is a dude who dresses like a lady and uses prejudice to tarnish, derail and endanger the show and the woman. Uh, Daniel, Natalie and Frank um, and Doubtfire must show that love, patience, a quick wit and a lot of latex faces can triumph over greed and hate. Also, extra twist, um, Daniel and Frank invent a new character who Daniel and of course Williams plays, again, under lots and lots of makeup and prosthetics, uh, a weird guy, uh, Merle, uh, Merle Stallion, a man who is sexist and racist and homophobic and stinks. And then, you know, uh, Stallion passes himself off as another high up exec, for example, uh, with Daniel trying to stop the attack from the inside of the company with his own TV show spouting insane, contradictory, gobbledygooky hate speech from the TV networks that aired Doubtfire from along, uh, along the way. So he's, I don't know how that works with the thing. Maybe he gives broadcasts as well, like, oh, dearie me, I've got to go because that nasty man's coming. And then he comes back as the nasty man to sort of like, I'm speaking for Kelsey Grammer here or something like that. So it just gives him a chance to do something else, dress up, more quick changes and so forth. The hope is to stop the hate by holding up a mirror to the haters showing closed minds mean poor lives. Cue lots of mix-ups, close calls, fast thinking and faster wardrobe changes. Daniel must play angel and devil while trying to find the man he has become as he attempts to win back the love of his daughter. As they cross the country, the people they meet along the way are changed for the better by Doubtfire's influence and message, joining her family and spreading the word. It all culminates in the Carnegie Hall type place where live Doubtfire is finally unmasked. Certain ruin is close, but Daniel uh, gives a monologue, which is pure Williams, uh, witty, warm, sincere, totally saccharine. Uh, Grammar is unmasked as the villain he is with maybe redemption, 
maybe a home alone moment of he meets and embraces his son and his son's husband, for example, something nice there. Uh, Daniel and Doubtfire says, love is not a rubber face or a silly voice. Love is love and it wants to meet you all. And just imagine William saying that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the finale to end all finales, it shows that the family Doubtfire is you, me and everyone you meet along the way. And that's it. And I've got the tagline as is a requisite here. A simple tagline. I've got two, but the, the main one is just welcome to the family. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a nodder. And also because of my, my usual thing, of course, it's uh, I've got other tagline, a quick change, a new face, an old trick. And that's, <laughs> that's the family doubtfire. Yeah, I'm saying 96 probably. So there you go. That's that's what I thought. Lots of stuff to fill in the gaps, but I figure, yes. I love I it, Chef. I think like I'd watch the bloody Netflix show of that. I love the idea of Doubtfire on tour like that. I just think it's brilliant. It's really, really brilliant. I love also like you really you channeled something that the, the original is not about the fact that Robin Williams is being up with Sally Field. It's about family, isn't it? And that's the nice thing. Do you know what I mean? And I think um yeah, it's just lovely that they're kind of you're still really leaning into that, if you know what I mean, which is just cool and lovely and heartwarming, and that's just brilliant. Yeah, I love it, man. And I can you can just visualize well, Mario Wilson, <laughs> Uncle Frank, and him in the car. You know, like it's just perfect. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and there could be all sorts of little things along the way that Mara has to do to help out, and of course that brings them together. And yes, I love the like, weird scene. There's definitely that, and. Good God, in 99, that message was needed more. I mean, still needed now, but even more, do you know what I mean? And I, I think um, one of the things, the thing I was going to say before, and I think you could absolutely incorporate something like that in this too, is basically a moment where Williams had thought he'd screwed it up with Andy McDowell. I was going to say, look, Uncle Frank basically in character just says, come on, let's hit the town. And they go to like a trans nightclub or something. And <laughs> they're both dressed up, you know, but they just have a wonderful time, you know? And they could yes. totally Amazing. do that on the road as well. They could totally do that on the road. Yes. Like, you know, it'd be yes. really cool. And yeah, just have a laugh. And then that gang could help at the end or something, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's just, yes. yeah. But no, man, I, I love you... it. I think it's cool. You've made me think that it, I mean, I don't want it to be, there's a lot going on and a lot of like, a lot of stuff there, but you did make me think that, yeah, like a romantic interest for Williams, so that, you know, is a, is a very natural step for him as a character, since, you know, obviously in the first film, he had just been divorced. And so, yeah, so I'm thinking there could be some sort of romantic interest in here. Maybe the person who is one of the, produ the, the producer from the big show is this woman and she was contacted because her niece lives in California and loves the show. And so she was talking to Daniel, which she doesn't know that, you know, Daniel is Mrs. Doubtful and she thinks he's the agent or, and, or something. And say, oh, so I can't wait to meet you all. And so maybe there's that and they meet at the end and they get together after the unmasking and stuff. And, just like it's at the end i'm forgetting this right but at the end we've both assumed at the end of mrs doubtfire no one knows it's really a man doing that tv show for kids is that the case i don't know like it's interesting isn't it like it'd be i wonderful. know that the guy robert prosky or you know the the owner of the the thing he knows yeah um uh, but 
because of the the, the the bit in the, the the Superman four bit in the restaurant, and he keeps doing you know, the double meeting <laughs> and everything. Um, that's, but I don't know. I mean, if the world does know, I'm sure that it, you know the, the. I'm sure both of our versions could be done in su in certain ways. I mean, mine. If the world knows, then it's not the end of the world. With you. If it's like, oh, I'm the lady who inspired Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm the real Mrs. Doubtfire, and the, the, the makeup <laughs> is just slightly different or something. You know, that's yeah. a that's a stretch. But no, I, but I I don't think the world knows. I think the people watching that TV show at the end of Mrs. Doubtfire think that that's a real woman, and they're not saying this is Doubtfire played by Daniel. What's his face? So yeah. I think we're both safe there. Um, yeah. I want to say you leaned into it really well as well. Like the that I think is the funniest thing of Mrs. Doubtfire, that farcical quest for peace, you know, tribute. But like just that that is you need more of that stuff where he's having a juggle a dual identity. Yeah, I think you caught that. That's nice. Yeah, yeah that is the best bit. Nice. Just to sit down is the gasp in the cinema, is it? When he sits down in the restaurant yeah. opposite the fellow. And he's gone back to the wrong place. Yeah, yeah, yes. so cringeworthy. Amazing. Yeah, great. Um, yes, love it. Love it, Jimbo. So yeah, that's, it's all very satisfying stuff. And again, it's the ones that I wouldn't think about, like a sequel to Mrs. Doubtfire. And yeah, the, the plot came very quickly, which is surprising. It's very satisfying. Like Batman took a long time because it, well, because it took me a long time to realize that I hadn't written a plot. I've always wanted to see a third Batman Tim Burton film. And I was like, oh, I actually have to think of what happens in this film. And it, <laughs> that was a bit of a shock. But this, this, was, this was very enjoyable. So I'm loving it, Jimbo. So yes, Mrs. Doubtfire oh, 2, TOO, family. It's great stuff. Which only leaves my suggestion for uh, for yeah. our, our next show, unless there's anything else you wanted to mention, Jimby. Nothing else from me, Sheppy. I'm on tenterhooks. The, okay, I, I've got to tell you, I had my next one in my mind, and I even wrote wrote it, which was very easy, basically for other reasons that you will find out. But I didn't. I, I decided on something else for the next one, this, um, something totally different. And it is a little bit different, I have to say, to what we've done so far, which is why I thought this would be a good moment to do it. And also a lot of 80s and 90s stuff, which is absolutely, of course, this is something different, bit old, bit more old school as well. So, um, all right, like I say, the, the concept is slightly different for this um, than, than we've done so far in that it's a bit more exact. But I'm saying, here it comes, a sequel to an Alfred Hitchcock film directed by Hitchcock. And that, so any Hitchcock film, but Hitchcock oh, comes wow. back and directs a sequel. Yeah, it could be a sequel to any Hitchcock film you like. And that in itself is interesting to me about what you would go for, but what would happen next? Now, Hitchcock never made a sequel to any of his films or anyone else's films for that matter. There is a Psycho 2, which is great. It wasn't Hitchcock, um, but it's actually, I love Psycho 2. But still, for example, you could do a Hitchcock Psycho 2, um, for example, or anything. Um, but again, the only caveat is that it is directed by Hitchcock because that's the whole point. And out of all of the films, because by the way, speaking of self-enclosed films or self-contained films, that's Hitchcock by and large. 
So good luck with that. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. And also, you know, his most famous stuff is from the 60s and 50s. So, you know, that's a nice era that we haven't had to do or anything. You know, you can go right back. Um, or, you know, I'm very curious about it. But like I say, something a bit different. Nice, Sheppy. Well, I have one of mine that my gut's going to immediately, but I'll just keep that under my hat. Okay, so don't go there. I bet that it's probably the same one that my gut went to because it's, yeah, but we'll find out. We will find out. I'm <laughs> I think it's most it. obviously I'm, I'm all... but yeah. Yes, mm. yes. I'm sure I, I would bet the ranch that we're talking about the same thing. But saying that, tiny spoiler, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'll do, yeah, I'll do this. But also, I'm, I have, I, I do have something that I thought a potential sequel to Psycho could be. So I'm going to write like a, a like a couple of sentences just as a very very basic premise for a Psycho two directed by Hitchcock, made you know a few years after. Um, but that's not the main one that I'm doing. So if you want to do like a sentence of like what a Psycho two could be, just in case, because I'm sure we're going to choose the same film otherwise, then we can choose the same two films and just have like a you know just a very very basic very you know, one sentence pitch for Psycho 2, and then this other one. Um, I'm very interested in that. So there you go, Jimbo. <laughs> Think on it. I will, old bean. I'm excited, Sheppy. Thanks for the challenge. And uh, thanks for oh. today, old boy. And um, yeah. I'm loving it. I'm Look very happy. To, uh, to the next time. So now we have to come up with a sign-off because I don't know what number of podcasts this is so far. Yet to six. come up with a podcast. So yeah. it's... I don't know. Any any sign off coming to mind for this one, Jimbo? <laughs> well, listen, I'm a rewatchables fan, Sheffy. I don't know if you're into those guys yet, but they just they just go quick and brutal at the end. Good, you know, great to see you. Thanks, man. Boom. We should just do that. I think we don't need to have that there. <laughs> With that in mind, put in your false teeth, wear your fake face, and say, oh, dearie me, which isn't even from Mrs. Doubtfire. That's from The High Life. So think on. <laughs> and on that note, oh, dearie me, Jimbo. Oh, dearie me. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at shoulderspod.com or shoulderspod at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.